in the CUDA. Death by DVD's exploration of Phantasm V, Ravager. One hundred and ten degrees. No food. A few drops of water if I'm lucky enough to find it. But it still feels good to be back home. If even this is home. I can't tell what's real anymore because of him. He's a shapeshifter of inhuman strength. He enslaves the dead and uses them to create terror. He has the power to channel time, dimensions, even dreams. He was a scientist in a past life who crossed the threshold to the red world and came back changed. His sentinels, the brain-sucking spheres that have blocked every path to finding my lost friend, Alexander Nash. The bastards are toying with me. I know they're here now, clocking me. This tall man, he's taken everything from me. Death by DVD. My best friend, Alexander Nash, who I swore to protect, they're gone. I'm alone. It's just me now. My name is Hank, the world's greatest. But it's good to be back home, even if some fuckwad jacked my himikuda I had stashed in the desert. So I wander, following the tall man's path of destruction salvaging what I can from the things he's left behind. I can almost hear the Cuda now barreling down the highway at 145 miles an hour. Hey, that really does sound like my Cuda. Hey, that is my Hemi Cuda! Get out of the road, you fucking asshole! Oh man! It's you! It's I, Alexander Nash! Nash, I didn't think I was ever gonna see you again. Get out of the car. I'm driving. Feels good to be back in the driver's seat. You know, I went through that dimension gate to save your brain, and, and I, I guess, I guess I've been lost in time for the last 20 years. Wow. You know, this is great though, you know, I, I never thought that we were going to be able to discuss Phantasm V, Ravager. Oh, hey, you know what, you got any of my Dos Equis? Ooh, spicy. Oh yeah. So, Phantasm V. What we can only presume to be the final entry to the Phantasm series, this time around, Coscarelli is not at the helm, but David Hartman, and as usual, no questions will be answered whatsoever. Yes, when Phantasm Ravager was announced, there was a trailer drop. I watched the trailer, I got really excited about more Phantasm, and a lot of the stuff in that teaser trailer looked interesting. I was a little wary of the special effects but you know it's a trailer and special effects sometimes aren't finished before you release trailers some things like that and then when ravager finally came out i watched it the day it came out on vod and um i i am i was and still am slightly disappointed with phantasm 5 um i probably that's partially my own fault for not kind of um 
controlling my own expectations for what I would get with the Phantasm film, especially one that I should have known was like painfully under budgeted as much as this one is. So definitely it's my least favorite out of the Phantasm films. And a lot of it has to do with how it's written, how it is structured. But I also think it has a lot of themes in it. um, A lot of performances that are pretty exceptional and lead into a really kind of sweet note at the end of the series. Cause you, I seriously doubt you're getting any more phantasm, at least in the, the capacity it used to be. Cause Angus is gone. Um, Reggie looks like he's not going to be doing any more acting. So this is the last thing phantasm we're going to get. I, I can personally be okay with the ending with oblivion. This is just kind of a little thing we got, like maybe like a little postscript. Um, to the um, Phantasm series. So I'll look at the first four personally as the core of the Phantasm series. And this one is just almost like a, um, almost like a uh, spinoff film, like the Reggie spinoff from uh, the Phantasm series as a whole. Yeah, it's like Reggie and Company or Reggie and Friends, something like that. Uh, like a weird holiday special sort of spinoff thing. The vibe is really what threw me off because my story is the exact same as you, did it the exact same way. I think we probably talked to each other the entire time we were watching it for the very first time. And it, it's really I have to mirror you because I, I obviously had very, I wouldn't say high expectations, but I guess I got very excited about it and I should learn to not get too excited about movies because sometimes those movies, like I got very excited about land of the dead, saw it in the theater and went, Oh, that was kind of bad. And then subsequently to that, I've watched land of the dead. I've learned to appreciate in a lot of different ways that I didn't that opening day. Cause I just, this is going to be day of the dead again. It's not, it's 20 some odd years later. It's, it's just not going to be day of the dead again. (laughs) And it's in Canada now. That really is the best way to put it that I, I was very, very excited for this film. I think I saw it twice when it came out. I bought it on VOD so I could have it forever. And I left it there. And as we've been traveling through space and time doing the phantasm series this last month or maybe years or days i don't really know it's it's hard to tell time in the desert i've really grown a a bigger affinity toward the movie and i I, i've not brought this up but i got me one of them big fancy sphere box sets the new one they came out so i have phantasm 5 with all the special features and fixins and commentaries and neat stuff and i've really been able to dig into it and get a further appreciation especially for david hartman as not just a director and artist, but as just a dude, as a fan of Phantasm, as a regular Joe, he's a really cool guy. I wasn't aware of how much actual involvement Coscarelli had with this movie, which was a massive amount. He was there the entire time, not only as a a producer and writer, but obviously his background as a director and the creator of the series really had some input and play into what happened here. And on one level, that's great. But if you don't have all that supplemental stuff, it it can be really, really hard if you're a traditional Phantasm fan and you're not willing to really move onward. And I, like you, really like the series to end in my head, no matter how depressing it is with with part four, Oblivion. And I, I cry at the end of that movie. But I can say the same thing for Ravenger. There are multiple heartfelt, incredibly emotional sequences in this movie that they do progress the story, they do move it forward, and touching upon what you were talking about of the likelihood of Reggie Bannister continuing the series, I think we get, it's not incredibly satisfying, and I don't like how it plays out, but I'm going to say a satisfying ending to to his tale, which definitely does open up the universe. You've talked about this before, that 
you wouldn't be completely against you know, a reboot or the series continuing. Neither would I. I think there's a lot of different options. While we still have Clancy Brown alive, definitely, would everyone has talked about this. He would be a tremendous tall man. But there is more to the series. A. Michael Baldwin can continue. We could move on with the Roger Avery ideas from Phantasm 1999, some of which is presented in Ravenger, the world ending, this plague, this virus. There's a lot that could happen, but... I don't I don't see it happening see, that I way. Like, the bigger the ideas get in the Phantasm universe, the late, like less interesting they are to me. Like once it becomes like a worldwide phenomenon, it becomes this war. I'm just not as personally attached to that material as I am with it being the core group because of the like the familial aspect of what's been going on in the Phantasm series of these like really good friends these almost brothers who like will stick their necks out for each other and they're just trying to stop this evil and it becomes almost like a probably not the best example but it comes almost becomes something like supernatural the the show supernatural um i found that to be very interesting show the first couple of seasons uh watched it uh, enjoyed the kind of the monster of the week aspect when it was a of it. monster hunting thing that that was really hip and I think the show itself is something that kind of goes hand in hand with Phantasm because of the cars the brotherhood the relationship that you easily could become a supernatural fan up until a very specific point in the show's timeline well and that's the same thing with me is just supernatural started focusing on this overall series arc of who these people like were and how big this goes and like, you know, incredibly like angels too. and demons and like these regular cast members that kept coming on. I'm just like, I'm less interested in this. And it's, I feel the same way somewhat about phantasm where it's just like, I'm less interested in this story and expanding itself away from my core characters that I love and the tone that I love. Once it becomes too much of a, like a large scale action film. It's just like, well, this just isn't as interesting to me because I, I do like the, uh, the personal aspect of it. The, the fact that there aren't a lot of extras in phantasm and there's a lot of like sparse backgrounds, a lot of, uh, things hidden under the cover of night. And once you turn into this citywide thing, it's just like, eh, okay. I mean, it's not terrible. I, I'm just, I'm not trying to shit on it. It's just not where I like personally would like it to go. And you're bringing up about David Hartman as a director of the film. I think the key element of that is he is a fan of the Phantasm series. And when I say fan, that's also a positive and a negative because Phantasm 5 ends up feeling a lot like a fan film, like a fan film where he got access to the actual actors who were in Phantasm, but it, it doesn't particularly feel like a Coscarelli thing. It just doesn't feel as tied into the universe as say like the, the first four films do, but I will have to say that what I do enjoy about the film is any of the stuff involving really the tall man action scenes, Mike and Jody, anything to do with the red planet. I'm not, it doesn't do much for me in this film, but all the stuff with Reggie and the old folks home, is great. I like all that stuff because it does add a lot to the uh, the kind of the philosophic nature of the Phantasm series. That is, this been all a crazy hallucination by a old man in an old folks' home. I like that component of it, and opening that door that we've moved somewhat from the character of Michael. We've moved into Reggie, and maybe he's imagined all of this. Maybe uh, hell, maybe he didn't even really start getting this to mention until after part four. And maybe some of it's happened. Maybe 
I do enjoy that aspect because we've we're asking a hell of a lot more questions. We're not getting answers, but in Phantasm, I don't particularly expect answers. I expect um, more than anything emotion and feeling, and that's what I get out of Phantasm as a as a whole in a series is just the emotional component of these characters that I really enjoy and the uh, madcap adventures that they get involved in. See, I'm conflicted because I, I agree with you on many, many extents, but I also, as a fan... Just I'm genuinely excited about what we get to see and so much of the lore that has progressed throughout the Phantasm series and, and the Red Planet and things like that. But the mystery of it all also was a component that really helped drive things and made it you know, a continuing driving force that we got to see the Red Planet briefly once in the first movie and we get these little glimpses and ideas of what things are when you're so on the nose with it, when it's so completely direct. I, I guess it kind of sucks to get the fulfillment. You know, for years we've been able to sit and wonder about what Phantasm 1999 would have been, I don't know why it was so hard to say that, 1999 was going to be like, and this just really incredible script where most of the country was taken over by this plague that made your head blow up, it was going to be really effective heavy, just a really grand schemed thing, and a lot of those ideas trickle into Phantasm Ravenger, and you see them, and if you know, you're in the know, you get excited by things like that, but it doesn't unfortunately really do anything you know we go to the tall man's planet for for instance here and he explains that there's tens of thousands of him and that you're just destroying one body and then they proceed to to kill him after he's already just explained it's fucking futile and it absolutely doesn't matter so we get our cake and we get to eat it too but did that do anything aside from give us a stomach ache and i don't have a problem with it because i i'm a fan of phantasm i'm a fan of phantasm in general and i do enjoy some of the stuff we get to see and what I guess I like the most about it is, following Phantasm Ravenger, Mike is laying dying, and Reggie goes into the Dimension Fork, and we don't know how long he's been there, or how many he's traveled through, or if he's managed to get out, and finally this movie begins with Reggie seemingly coming back into our world, our reality, where he goes to find- Seemingly. The... Yeah. Uh, well, he, there. he even makes notion to that, that he's not certain if this is our reality, and that everything is mixing together. One second, he's standing normal in this world in the desert, and he gets his cuda back, and then he's in an old folks' home, and then he's moved into another reality, but all of this is addressed. He even tells Michael at one point, I, I keep slipping in and out of all of these realities. I'm with you. I'm fighting in the desert. I I'm hanging out with this chick. I just don't know what's going on. So we, as an audience, have this really cool tool. We follow into all these different realities, but it becomes so melded and confused, just as somebody with dementia, their, their thought process would be, that we're left with absolutely no answers. And I love all of that. I love being able to witness that and see where Reggie goes in his mind and the people that come back. And there's a lot of clever details. Like we get a scene where Reggie is gearing up and he gets all his weapons out of the CUDA. And if you look really carefully, even the plunger where he grabs the sphere and what phantasm two, I think that's phantasm three, two. three. Yeah. Cause it's with Timmy, these plungers in the backseat of the CUDA, he has Rocky's nunchucks. He's got all these split weird memories that on one hand you could say is somebody with dementia wrongly remembering things or on the other hand, as a super fan, it's the tall man. He's behind all this, and realities are mixing. Because there is the, the pieces with Angus Scrim, probably the most dialogue the tall man has ever gotten to recite, which is great. It's, lo it's lovely seeing Angus being able to actually act and, and be a great character actor. You get a lot of explaining. He makes this deal with Reggie of, you know, I can give you everything back. You just have to fuck off, seriously. Like, you gotta get off my dick. You, you have to stop fucking with me. You can't have Mike and Jody back. I've had a plan the entire time. Just go away. And 
through that, Reggie starts even deteriorating more and more and more. He he meets up with Jebediah Morningside, who also is the tall man, because he was always there. He's always going to be there. He's infinite. He's death. You can't escape it. I lean in this one and going in a certain direction of, this is kind of complicated, but we'll go here anyway, that the dementia storyline is real. That is reality. A good portion of everything that's been going on this entire series is just Reggie dipping in and out of like a lot of false memories, real memories, confusing memories, but also all these other things that have been going on are another reality. They actually happen in a, in a completely separate reality from our own, a reality that you could even say started with uh, Michael in the first film really involved in his own grief of losing his brother and losing his parents. And he kind of started this alternate reality of him fighting this ultimate evil. And Reggie went on this journey with him, but in actual reality outside of that, um, Reggie's just a aging ice cream man. He's driven himself crazy trying to help his friend deal with his own grief. Uh, so I just think there's like multiple layers of reality as in the phantasm series. I think it's the most clear in this one that in one reality, Reggie will never die. Reggie will always fight the tall man with uh, like everything he's got, but in a completely separate reality, Reggie's passed away. Reggie's gone. His, but his spirit will always live on as the fighter. He is in this alternate reality. So it's, it's not a clear, concise answer of what phantasm is, but I, do you want a super clear answer of what the series of phantasm is about? Or do you want to kind of pontificate about its vagueness and continue to talk about it? Because at its core, that's what phantasm is. It's a film to discuss. It is a film. Uh, it's a, it's a film for fans. If you're into it's an experience. Yeah. If you're into the experience of phantasm, it's for you. It's for all of us to sit here and talk about and really make up our own different realities and those realities that we make up are just as important. Those stories are just as important and meaningful to the actual core um, conical, like canonical fucking phantasm series that Coscarelli has created, that this world splits off in its own different realities. The ones that we create, the one Coscarelli creates, they're like limitless. And that's what is amazing about phantasm. Jason Voorhees just kills. He kills next movie. He kills again because that is what we were watching. Phantasm is something that is pretty fucking immortal. You'll never be able to stop Phantasm because you were not given those clear answers and it will always be something that the fans can take and morph and play with themselves. It's kind of the heart of creativity, especially in something like the horror genre. I think a lot of the things that you've just brought up and have been discussing are actually in the movie and are, are pretty prominently shown to you, not only with the dialogue between the tall man and Reggie and their multiple uh, alternative universes, but when he visits him at Jebediah Morningside in some 1880s hospital, in every reality Reggie's going to, he's dying, and in every reality he gets stuck in, he ends up saying to somebody he just doesn't quite understand what's going on and he's done. He just wants to be finished with it. Yeah, he just he wants to rest. And I take that as a sign that in this reality, he's done everything he can. The tall man even brings up to him, like, what is what is it with you? I'm willing to give you. The only time he gets annoyed, I really liked this and thought this was a really interesting scene, that he, he's annoyed, he's upset with Reggie. I'm willing to give you your family back. I'm willing to send you back to 1987 
and do everything all over again. You'll, you'll have these years back. You'll have this life back. Why are you so hell-bent on friends? It's not even your family. Why? What, what is the reason with this? And Reggie's just Reggie. Like, you wouldn't get it. Fuck you, man. I have to do it. It's just what I have to do, but I'm, I'm really, really tired. And nobody seems to be there for Reggie. It's something that's kind of haunting with this movie. We get introduced to my least favorite character in the entire series. Um, I, I, I hate Chunk. I have nothing against the actor. Steven Jutras is probably a fine gentleman, but I hate Chunk. I hate that fucking character. He just seems pointless. He yeah. just seems like comic relief. And there's no reason. I mean, if you're going to do comic relief, you should have brought Timmy back somehow, but there was no reason for this character. And it, to me, it just seemed like an extension of Timmy. And I don't know. You he, you get these abusive characters. Like, he's supposed to be funny, and he's a dick to Reggie the entire time that they have an interaction and Mike does nothing. In all these different realities, Mike doesn't even seem to be... No one is as there for Reggie as he is for them, I guess, is where I'm getting into this point. That, okay, he's got dementia and he was found wandering in the desert and you just dump him in a fucking old folks home? All right, this guy that literally will go to hell for you? That when your brother died and your family died, that maybe didn't happen? He, he did everything for you. The reality that we get when Reggie has dementia is a very, very strange one because Jody's still alive. The whole point of Phantasm is a little boy upset over his brother and his family's death and him kind of going into his mind and, and coming up with all of these crazy things that we're witnessing. So what's the point of the original movie if Jody's been alive the entire time? Everything we're exposed to here, all these crossing realities, you don't get a definitive answer. So it is very traditional in the sense of phantasm that we are allowed to completely run with it. You really like to lead toward the dementia plot. I like to think the tall man in this movie is all real. You go back and you end the series with part four, it, it's everything we've been discussing this last month. It could just be the reflections of Reggie's thoughts or Mike's. But then you get something really unique with this film when Mike comes to Reggie and says, I've been having your dream. Again, the reality's transitioning. And every time you hear the dimension forks, I feel that's a sign that We've gone to a different world. We've, we've completely transitioned. Has Reggie ever come out of the fork from part four? Probably not. But does it matter? It's all hypotheticals. And again, what you were saying really made it kind of perfect. I don't have to repeat it. That's what makes the canon a phantasm. That's what makes this so beautiful and perfect for all of us that are fans is it's infinite. And we'll be able to always have these discussions with strangers. You can just If you see somebody on a phantasm shirt, you could probably just walk up to them and say, hey, so what do you think about the ending of Phantasm 5? Make a new friend and talk to somebody for two hours. It's that type of community, and that's what makes it beautiful. So you really have Don Coscarelli to thank for that, but... You had the fans to thank for it more because they've taken it and really run with it. Coscarelli's just a vessel for us. That's David Hartman. I think he, as a fan, being able to you know, give a last breath into the series did something for all of us. It's not perfect. It's not what you wanted or what I wanted. And that's really not what matters. It's something. And being able to relish in the fact that one last hurrah was given for Angus. Come on. And that what a great performance. This is one of the most tremendous performances out of the entirety of the series. I think he's more terrifying here than we've ever seen him before. And it might just be because he's tired too. Every character in the series is tired of what's been going on the last... 40 years. And I think really what the best part of this film is, is the, uh, the final ending, which is Reggie in the back of the Cuda, Mike and Jody fucking Gatling guns strapped to the, the, the hood. And they're in the apocalypse, like always fighting as a team. And I think that was kind of the point of 
the entire exercise to begin with is to leave us on this positive note that no matter what, no matter what reality is, actors will die. Actors get old. Actors can't be in this. But we're leaving you, letting you know that these three characters, no matter what, will ride in to the 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 red stained skies and will always be fighting against death and and evil. And it's just a nice little positive note to leave us on. And with the triumphant nature of these characters throughout the entire series, I think you have a whole representation of them riding off into the sunset for good. The goodness that's inside of you, that no matter how weak and how awful things are, you always have to fight for the better. You always have to try and make things better, not just for yourself, but for the entire world. You're one small organism on this giant fucking scale, and that's... Reggie's perception he's gonna die one day and he's gonna do everything possible while he's alive to make the world better for everybody else living in it and I love the visuals I love this awful dystopian ruined world the giant spheres I think it's really really horrifying and I think it's something that when the movies end and you are allowed to sit and think about what you just saw you you purport these images in your head you make your own phantasms literally to the definition of the word and your own little mini movies phantasm the delusion of a disordered mind a phantom a spirit a ghost And what Hartman was able to do was really fulfill a lot of that. That I mean, I love the giant red balls. I love that scene where you get the news clip footage of the tall man being nuked and his face is all half melted. And we actually get to see the bag plague and someone's head explode. A nice little nod to Roger Avery right there. I, But also, too, what I kind of like about that is how quick it was all done. That you just get these little snippets and we don't really explore this world drastically. In Phantasm Four, we have a really, really terrific scene where Jody and Mike are in uh, Los Angeles at some time point, and Jody even says when Mike asks him, where are we? He says, when? And the entire streets are empty. He lets him know that there's a plague zone. So five borrows from everything in the series. It takes the continuity, and it allows you to know in different realities. If you go through those dimension forks, we've seen these things. We've seen all this before, and we will see it again. It's all constantly repeating. It's all a flat circle. Yeah, and like the only thing different they could have done is almost like have one final shot where it takes them all the way back to the beginning and just turn this into one big fucking circle that this is just this infinite fight and infinite realities in which these people will continue on fighting the idea of death and negativity more than anything. And you've got that final montage at the uh, the end of the movie as they're riding off into the sunset where they take clips from all the films, and I think that kind of is a representation of that, but Coscarelli only had so much footage we haven't seen before. I think he probably shot his wad on all that unused footage uh, for Phantasm Four, which it, it worked once, and you kind of get that happening again. As all Phantasm movies do, this begins with Reggie's narration, and it appropriately uses really emotional sequences to kind of recapture and let you know what's going on. I really, really love the retelling of Mike coming out of of the desert, that he just wakes up with this head injury and Reggie's gone, and he wanders through the desert following the tall man's trail of destruction, sewing his head back together, and then I guess eventually falls into a different timeline, gets lost. He starts this whole gang, pretty much, that just searches for survivors hoping one day that they'll come across Reggie. So he's become, in one universe, Reggie himself. You know, he's grown his hair out. He he 
is doing everything possible to replicate the one man that cared for him, and they finally come across him, and Reggie's just tired. Every time Mike finds him, Reggie's just tired now. Yeah, I think that just has a lot to do with actual human reality and not within the space of this film reality. I think it has a lot to do with... It even has a lot to do with Don at this point, that Don is kind of wanting to wrap up this section of his life and because Don has so many stories to tell it's just a shame that he doesn't get a chance or the money to tell as many stories as he could because Bubba Hotep was a large critical success it did fairly well at the theater for having an incredibly limited release I'm surprised he did not get something larger after like something like yeah Beastmaster did well made money Don did not like working within that studio system. And maybe it's, it's Don that doesn't want to um, make a movie he doesn't have total control over. But I just wish he could get maybe like $10 million again and make something interesting. It doesn't have to be Phantasm. It doesn't have to be like, you know, John dies at the end. But I just want to see Coscarelli go wild and make just his heart's desire at least one more time. Well, it's kind of interesting how this whole thing came together because I don't think Don was in the business to do a phantasm, and uh, he had a friendship with David Hartman, who they pretty much hung out, and David showed him some films, and you know that's how it went. They would watch movies, pretty much the stuff we discuss on this show, and Coscarelli got the gig for John Dies at the end, and and they kind of had this idea. Well, let's go do some camera tests and go out to the desert, and maybe we can shoot some phantasm style stuff. They got Reggie involved, and. It moved from there into what was going to be a kind of web miniseries on the Phantasm.com website, which is incredibly still active. It's, it's a blast to go through the Phantasm.com website. They had cut and, and shot a lot of stuff. There's a, a lot of really interesting scenes that didn't end up making it into the movie that were from this miniseries that kind of progress and tell the story. Like Reggie comes across a giant dwarf that's played by Derek Mears, but after the dwarf is killed... Mike and Jody appear as spheres and kind of explain to him what's happened and where they're at. And, you know, all of this was going to be just a way to involve them since Bill Thornberry lives in Northern California, A. Michael Baldwin lives in Texas, trying to just get something done. So obviously it had to hit the cutting room floor. So Coscarelli gets John dies at the end, comes off that and pretty much calls David and says, you know what? We're going to do another Phantasm movie, but you're going to direct it and I'll be there. And they really shot a lot of ideas out, spitwatted some things and came up with what they were going to do. David Hartman's a really big storyboard guy and he came up with these immaculate storyboards and they kind of went from there with what they were going to do and what they had the availability to do. And a lot of it was fascinating. A lot of the ideas of going to this weird all white universe where you're, they're just stuck in this infinite room and having conversations with the tall man. You've always wondered every movie, the tall man gets dispatched and then suddenly another one comes out of it and we get to see this massive room with thousands of tall men that just go through the gates when one's been dispatched. So that kind of answers for a lot of the, the loose nature of Phantasm Five, But I, again, you don't particularly have to involve this one in the conversation at the end of the day when you're talking about the Phantasm series. Because to me... I, I I think a lot of people look at these films differently because I think there's a sect of the Phantasm uh, fan base that really wants the answers. They want to know what the Red Planet is. They want to know, um, is it space? Is it blah, 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 blah? And to me, that's just a little too like too much like Star Wars or something. It's just, I don't need a scientifically accurate 
interpretation of what's going on. Well, is the tall man an alien? Is it? It's just like, to me, none of this shit matters. What matters is just the emotion this series has and how it will go seamlessly from reality to a different kind of reality to just exploring different ideas. And that's what really has drawn me back time and time again. So to get definite answers, it just, I, I think that's the antithesis of phantasm. I think there are definite answers though. I mean, the scene that I was just discussing with Bill Thornberry and a Michael Baldwin in LA and nobody's absolutely, and nobody's there and it's, it's a plague zone. And he says to him, not where, but when, that's the whole point, I think, of everything. It's not where the red planet is, it's when. It's our planet at some point. You've brought this up before. Everything that happens on Phantasm has happened before and will happen again. It's just this universe. And the tall man says that to Reggie, that you know, th- it's three days before 1979, before I came to a place that you know as Morningside. All of these events are easily played out. The question is why. Why are they continuously happening? What's the architecture behind this? What's the tall man's point? Does that matter on on a big scale? I don't know, but we get these answers that I don't necessarily like. You know, the tall man says to Reggie, "It's it's always been in him. It's it's in his head. I used him as a tool. Every tall man just has to have amusement." So there's some grand scheme to all of this. We just don't know what it is, but. I'm always going to ask this question. Does it matter if we know? Is it our story to know that? The tall man also says that this is all just a nightmare for him. So it doesn't matter what perspective you take to it. It's just the imaginative nature of being able to carry on with it. It's not Alderaan. It's not Tatooine. It's not beaming up to another fucking planet. It's been here the whole time. It's it's us. It's with uh, the evil that's within all of us, the destruction, blah, blah, blah. It's just us. The, the the best metaphor I can come up with, and it's another Star Wars metaphor, so let's just put it on the table right now. It's Metachlorians. That is what Phantasm isn't, is Metachlorians. Because what does Lucas do in the prequels? He starts answering all these fucking questions that didn't need answers and, frankly, don't like... Like, when you give those answers, they're never going to be satisfactory. But what did it do for the series? Like like introducing the reasoning for how people are Jedi's that they're a special breed with a special blood yeah, type. So it's what, no longer you can be anyone can be anything and like it's just within you and you can pull this out not every like anybody can be a Jedi blah 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 and then it makes it specific of like no you're a very special kind of alien with special blood and it's well, I mean just that's like, just okay. painting yourself into a corner though because you know what's happening with it that you know for years and years and years people want specific things out of the Star Wars series so Lucas had to come up with a reasoning for it like well why is Darth Vader evil what happened for it so he got lost in his own mind he had a fucking phantasm coming up with what happened and it worked perfectly in his reality when the fans get involved, that transcends to a completely different reality because these guys have had in their head this idea the entire time. And that really brings us to Phantasm Ravenger. And as fans, we've had these ideas in our head the entire time. And so when David Hartman comes and does it on screen, it's really easy for us to be like, well, this didn't work. This doesn't work because in our reality, we have all these ideas. Our timelines don't really fit with it. So it's not even so much like attempting to completely criticize the guy it's looking at how these things come forward and how all these things are are wrapped into one it makes sense to you maybe but you're never going to get what actually fluently makes sense on screen it just doesn't happen that way well i mean and that's i think what is suitable about five is the fact that it does leave a lot of things up in the air because i don't i didn't need to know that well uh the tall man he 
he built C-3PO when he was a kid. Like, I, fuck, fuck off. We don't need, like, it, we're not backriding stuff. We're not, like, cluing in a bunch of pointless expositionary nonsense to, like, tie everything together. And that I do like about Five, because it does get a little wild with a lot of the ideas and concepts. And we, like, this is probably the most throw shit at the screen um, phantasm to see what sticks. And I can respect it on, on 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 those grounds completely of just like to really take that shift and put Reggie in the hospital during like and have that be a major like key plot point to the story we're telling. It's not obvious because we've never gone that far into is it a dream? Is it not a dream until this film? It's always been some form of reality. It's not like it's not people constantly waking from nightmares every five fucking seconds. It's like, no, this is reality and five. I really disagree does a little. question that. Like when Reggie's banging Rocky, Jody visits him, and they go from him banging someone in a dream to him within a place deeply inside of his own mind. Part four or part two does the same thing. A lot of the action sequence with James LeGros version of Mike happens while he's asleep in the car. So we don't we we've already we've already been introduced to something like this. But I I really think Phantasm Five plays off of all of that almost more successfully because we're so confused, but so would Reggie. Like, that's the point. We're actually truly feeling something from our hero's standpoint, and that's fantastic. That's a, a beautiful job with editing and directing on Hartman's part, being able to give us just as much emotion as Coscarelli usually does. And there's a lot of things aside from, like, Reggie in the hospital that I think even ask more questions, and this is just how my brain works. When I see the giant spheres... To me, that just implies giants somewhere in some reality because we know from Phantasm Four that all the spheres are are people's brains that he's put inside of this. So we have these giant Empire State Building-sized fucking spheres. What's the brain going inside of that sort of thing? And that's a lot of joy with Phantasm that almost like returning to your childhood, you, you're just allowed to play uh, imagination. You're, you just go crazy. Well, what if this happened and what if that happens? And you kind of forget what's going on. You're lost in your own head, and the movie becomes just completely re re reality to you. When I watch Phantasm Five, and we're going through all these different things, I 100% believe in one reality. Reggie's kicking ass, and he's fucking taking names. He's he's killing people. He's he's killing dwarves. He's going after the tall man. But in another reality, he's sick and in bed, and it's not going very well for him. He's forgetting everything. That's the beauty of all of it. You do get to return to being a child. When I watch this series, I feel like Mike. I feel like a 13-year-old filled with excitement and imagination, and my days are even different. I feel like a wall has been taken down because Phantasm reminds you it's all right to imagine. It's okay to dream. It's oh, it's beautiful to do that. You have to do that. You have to dream. You, you can't ever stop doing that. Well, if you go all the way back to the original Phantasm film and all of these films in themselves, like, you're talking about taking you back to being a kid and it goes back to a time before there were definite answers for everything in your life. And everything seemed to have a bit more mystery to it. When you were like a 13, 14, 15 year old kid, there was mystery of what can happen to the world. What, what will happen to me? And when you get to a point, say like where Reggie is at, where I'm currently at in my life, where it's just like, no, there are pretty much definite answers to all these questions. And this is your reality for the next 30, 40, 50 years, and you better get to living this reality. Phantasm opens up those possibilities 
of going back to when you didn't have definite answers to everything in the world. And there was still a lot of mystery and it is very childlike. Um, probably the perfect way of doing it is it did start as a child. And as we've discussed through all of these shows, how it, it honestly moves through different progressions of your age. And by the time we get to five, it's you're fucking old and you're not like, you're not holding everything together so much. Like everything is starting to fall apart. So Phantasm truly does go through like the, the myriad of different stages of your life from teenage years to in the nursing home, like fucking losing touch with everything. That's kind of beautiful in a certain way. Uh, another thing that I think is beautiful in addition to that is the offer that Phantasm kind of gives you. Phantasm, I think, really makes you the same deal that the tall man tries to make with Reggie in part five. You can let go, and you can let all these responsibilities take your life over, and like you were just saying, this is what is going to happen to me for the next 30 years. I can't get out of it. You can still dream. You can still hope. You can still build a better tomorrow, and you can still work on something. You know, fighting the tall man doesn't have to be taking the four-barrel shotgun out physically fucking fighting. It's working on your novel, making that movie, finishing your, your album, writing poetry. It doesn't have to be artistic. It could be just... Making sure you get up and brush your teeth in the morning and drink some water and, and, and have self-care and take care of yourself. and The tall man is complacency and death. <laughs> that's yes. generally what he like that character represents. And that's really like one of the worst things as not just individuals, but, but humans. Uh, anything can do that. You see it in animals like elephants or mourning doves. They mate for life. And when one of their mates dies, sometimes they'll just give up. They'll stop eating. They, they accept death knowing I'll never be able to change the situation on him, and so I'm just, what else is there to do? I'm going to go out into the desert in a hearse and fucking blow myself up, and that's just how things are going to be. But then there are Reggies in the world. Well, my whole family got blown up, but I'm going to still try. I mean, I'm here, and I don't. It, it almost sounds selfish, but you do exist in your own reality. You are important. All of us are important. Every single entity on this planet, all life, is important. You're not one of those, are you? Not that. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jesus Christ. Oh, no. Ah, I didn't mean it that way. I mean, the, the idea of uh, existing in free will, and uh, God damn it, every episode is going to somehow become about capitalism. <laughs> Let's talk about late-stage capitalism, Hank. Here it comes, ladies and gentlemen. You you don't live to work. You, your whole reasoning to be on this planet, I can't tell you what that is. I don't know what the architect is, if it's a tall man that's really controlling all of us and there's gold spheres in our head, or maybe this is just a weird fever dream of Don Coscarelli. But we all exist here, and the fucking point is not for somebody else's taxes and definitely not for somebody else's labor and or gain. You don't exist on this planet to go to work fucking 90 hours a week and live off ramen noodles. It sucks, and being an American, living in the United States, that's what we have to do. That's what we're forced to. But we have the ability to dream. We have the ability to go into these different realities. Reggie is stuck into this bed, and he doesn't understand what Mike is telling him, and he goes back to the best points of his life when he's kicking ass, when he's killing the tall man and not letting death creep up on him. And so many of us just give up. We don't accept the fact that we can change everything. We can fight the tall man. We can go through the dimension forks and we can completely make things different. It's just fighting. It's the effort. Look what it did to Reggie, though. You have to realize that doing this, you might not have friends. You might not have safety. You might not have all the things you want and all these 
artificial things sitting around your house that don't really matter that you can't take with you when you're dead, but you, you have your dreams, you have your hope, you have your humanity. There is a trade, and it's, it's a very dangerous trade because you might not be as happy as you thought you'd be in your head. But you still are yourself, I guess, is my point. And that's what's really beautiful about Reggie. And what we've gotten to at the end of the series and at the end of Phantasm is not Reggie is a character. He's not real. Reggie Bannister, on the other hand, is. And without him existing, without him being on this planet, Coscarelli would have never came up with the character. This, this person, this idea of a human being... You can live that way. Look at him. Dude lives in a beautiful the, ca the cabin in Phantasm Five is his. He's lived free and happy his entire life. Is is married to a woman that absolutely loves him and he loves her. He has everything that most people would want. But when you have these ideas and thoughts in your head, I'm gonna be famous. I'm gonna be the world's most famous director. And things don't work out that way. You, you get crushed because you don't allow your dreams to continue growing. You don't go to another reality or. A, I'm rambling here, but I think I've made a little bit of a, a point, maybe. No, you generally, like, I guess one of the things I that I've know. been thinking about is I know somebody who has pretty much, since they were very young, accepted the tall man into their life. They realized that death was coming for them, and they have literally sat there and allowed it to happen. And they don't get off their ass. They just sit there and wither away and they're probably going to be gone here not too long because it's just what what's the point what's the point of even fighting back tall man's going to get me anyway and that's what the fucking problem is and that's kind of where i see a lot of phantasm being at a certain point in phantasm 5 reggie does have to accept that the tall man will inevitably get him death is approaching around the corner because there's literally nothing you can do to stop it but he also never stops fighting it and that's what life is. It's always fighting death. It's not accepting your fate as I'm going to die. So why try doing anything? It is continuing on to fight the tall man, even though there is no winning. But the fight itself is what you're winning. You get to fight. You get to have those experiences. You get to try to maneuver and do new and different things. That is what you win. There is no ultimate like prize at the end, though. You're still going to die. That was the whole like promise and the greatest thing about dying for Vikings, that they got to go to Valhalla and, and fight for all eternity with all their best friends because there's nothing better than the fight at the end of the day. It's not bloodlust. It's not being able to kill someone. It's, it's surviving. There is nothing better and there's nothing more pure than surviving and proving everyone that said something about you, they're not going to make it. They'd never do this. They'll never paint a picture. Proving those motherfuckers wrong and you do it for yourself. Everything that you do needs to be for yourself, for your health, for your growth, for your, for video gamers out there, your, your charisma points and moving things up in the goddamn world. You have to do it for you. You have to live. Why? I just don't see any other reason. I don't see any other way outside of you. You absolutely have to live. And when you encounter people, and like the person you're talking about, you encounter people like that. They're just going to become the grave diggers. They're just going to become some little dwarf running around in the future. Is that what you want for yourself? Do you just want to have your body shrunk down and sent to a weird planet and have your brain put in a sphere and all you're good for is killing? That's all the sentinels do. The the spheres. They murder. They kill. They've just taken the, the anger from humans. And I said this on a previous show. I think it's really unique that the spheres are reflective. 
because when you're dying, you're forced to pretty much look directly at yourself. All of your own fears, all of these things kind of seeping out of your body as it drains you completely. And it's so fucking metaphorical. I think it's great. Well, okay. This is going to be an odd diversion of the conversation, but we're going there. So I've been asked before by people who have very different views of the world than I do. But at the same time, it's the question is always, why are you like, why do you keep going? Why do you keep trying? Why do you keep uh, just why are, do you continue to live? And my answer is always the same. Spite despite all the fucking people who think I like should be dead or could be dead or won't ever amount to anything. It's all spite. Hank, why are you still alive? 100% pure spite. Spite. (laughs) 100%. It's absolute pure spite. This is a weird way to phrase things and do a quote, but one of our favorite movies, I'm willing to say it's one of our favorite movies, a little picture called Slapshot. Somebody calls Paul Newman a cocksucker and his response is, is what I would say back. All I can get Yep. All I can get. What What do you want out of me? Why am I alive? Fuck you. Fuck your mother. Why am I alive? What a dumb fucking Spite. question. It's as simple as that, man. It's as simple as just shoving it up your fucking ass. Sure, I might be miserable. I'm still alive. Well, a lot of it comes down to just wanting to be a lot like Reggie, too. My entire life, I've wanted to do things my way. And in Phantasm Five, we encounter something really unique with Reggie. He's pretty much been the de facto leader since part two, and he's called the shots. He has done everything possible to keep the Cuda on the road to say he's no longer the leader in five and he doesn't really know how to understand that. He doesn't really know how to do things. And when you are a Reggie type of person and you try and live and follow through with your dreams, knowing, look, I'm going to be a fucking artist. I'm going to run this podcast. That's not I'm not going to have time to go out and go to the bar. I'm not going to have time to to hang out with people. I'm going to lose some friendships. It's people aren't going to understand what I'm doing. You're working on some dumb fucking Internet show. What's it matter? You get, you don't get paid for it? That's stupid. You got to do the things you want to do. And just using myself here instead of Reggie, it's not that much fun. I love the people that listen to this show. I love getting feedback. But, man, there's a lot of stress behind this. There's a lot of anxiety. I don't always enjoy doing this. I got to take a lot of time to make sure things get done. I don't get fucking paid I, at Let all. Let me tell you, people, I get the text at 3 in the morning. Yeah, it's, I don't get paid. Alexander Nash has to deal with... Me fucking angry because I hit delete on something and lost nine hours. I mean, there's always reasons. God damn it, I'm never doing this again. Fuck this show. <laughs> Five minutes later. All right, I fixed it. I, I, I'm i back. I worked my way through it. It's it's a euphemism even for life. I don't fucking enjoy that either. You just do what you do. You could sit and give up, but what's the point? If I didn't do the fucking show, what would I be doing? What's the point of watching these movies then? What am I doing with anything in my life? And not everything has to have some fucking grand meaning. Not everything means things. You can look at Phantasm and obviously see that. Not everything means something. Don't read into it too much. But do something. Do anything. Even if it just involves getting up and brushing your fucking teeth, you did something. Congratulate yourself for it. You gotta fight. You you, you have to get through it. Why do I do this show? Spite, almost. I mean, literally, it just comes back to fucking spite. People told me I'd, you'd never fucking do anything. Well, look at me. I'm doing something. I mean, there's three people that listen to it, and I love all <laughs> all of you very deeply. Uh, but it, it's for fucking 11 years. It's been goddamn. It's 12. It's 12 fucking years. This, this July, we will be turning 12 years old, and it's do or die. What else would we be doing? I like to think in another reality, I've got a four-barrel shotgun, and I'm hunting death, and I'm killing the tall man, and I'm conquering all my fears. 
In another reality, I'm dying, and I'm going to die in this reality and all of them. So will you and everybody listening to this show. And I know that sounds so fucking doomerish. Oh, what is this? What is he quoting, Morrissey? No, but here's something that's completely different that you probably thought would never be quoted on Death by DVD. A little Bruce Springsteen. Everything dies, baby. That's a fact. But everything that dies, someday comes back. You just got to look at it kind of like... I don't know, a painting. The The longer you stare at something, the more you see. And it's all beautiful. Death is beautiful. Life is beautiful. Birth, rebirth. It's all going to happen. I mean, sure, this is philosophical, and we might have some like Coptic Christians listening to the show. They're like, nope, fucking wrong, buddy. But <laughs> pushing religion aside and allowing philosophy to take the fucking microphone over, there's no reason to have fear. And when you have all that... When you let it into your heart, a lesson that we learn in the very beginning, right at the very first moment when Phantasm takes us on this journey, fear is the mind killer. If you have that in your heart, then the tall man will hunt you every day. There's no dimension you can go to. There's no reality that you can find where he won't find you because there's thousands of him. You get rid of the fear, you get rid of the tall man. And obviously that's easier said than done, but that's just the way she goes. I don't know if I have anything else. <laughs> This got oddly philosophical. Well, I say oddly, like we've been talking about, like the <laughs> earnest movie series. For five weeks, this has been oddly philosophical. <laughs> That's, I guess, again, the way she goes. This is, it's sad. I'm, I'm kind of bummed that this is, this is it. This is Phantasm 5. This is the end of Phantasm Month. I've had a blast doing this. I've relived. I've thought about things I haven't thought about for years. I've had memories I hadn't had for years of being a child. Uh, being like Mike, uh, the stages I'm going through, like I'm right around part three in my life. You're going into part four. Everybody's different. Everything is so drastically different. And Phantasm, I think, makes you really, really aware. Doing Watching the whole series, being able to expose yourself to this, I think is a, a unique gift. It's a treat, and it's something that if you if you use it wisely... I, I think it's like fucking transcendental, man. You really can break through to some, some really unique thoughts and maybe discover some things about yourself that you, you might have not known or had forgotten. It's really beautiful, and you just got to dig it. You got to take the ride. You got to get in the CUDA and have some hope. By the time the series ends, if you hate it, well, you're an asshole. That's <laughs> just an asshole. I, that's my assessment on it all. But I guess we have nothing else to do now but drive north. The only thing I know about the tall man is that sucker hates the cold. So at least we can fight him off for a little while and try and try again. The ashtray is full and the bottle is empty. We'll be back next week.
sure could use a rocket pop about now.